Hi, friends. This is episode 34 of the Bible Lab Podcast. You are listening to the Bible Lab Podcast, recorded before a very lively audience on the campus of Loma Linda University. Here's your host, Roy Ice. Hey guys, it is so great to be back with you after a little bit of a break. We're ready for another season of the podcast, and we are starting it right, right now in this season of holiday cheer. We're going to do a Christmas series called Merry Cryptics, and I can't wait for you to go through these four sessions. I guarantee within the session, you're going to learn so much. I learned so much when we were going through it. Things that I thought I knew about the story of Christmas that really was just a bunch of tradition that really covered up the specialness and some of the most incredible elements of the story of Christmas. And I can't wait for you to get into it today. Today we're going to take a look at Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. And I'm telling you, what you've been told before is not correct. You're going to see Joseph as a major character in the life of Christ, and I can't wait for you to see it. Welcome to the Bible Lab. Everybody ready? All right, here we go. Number one, I don't mind interruptions. Even when, I'm, even when I'm doing something important. I don't mind interruptions, even when I'm doing something important. Oh, most of you say no. I don't like interruptions. Some of you say yes, you don't mind interruptions because your job is boring and you need something to wake you up. <laughs> Some of you say maybe. Good. But for the most part, you guys say no. I do not like interruptions. It looked to me about 75% of you said, absolutely not. Don't interrupt me. Go away. Number two, when someone does me wrong, I naturally try to find the least amount of punishment for them. When someone does me wrong, I, yeah, it's taking you a long time because you're like, I know what the pastor wants to see. I'm only seeing 20% of the cards up. Come on. You can be honest. It's the Bible lab. When someone does me wrong, I naturally try to, f- try to find the least amount of punishment for them. Yes or no. Okay. A bunch of maybes because you don't want to hold up a no card. I know you, because you're just like me. Depends on the person, it depends on what they did. Right, Raul? Exactly. If they're our friend, it's a maybe. A coworker, it's a no. A jerk. Maybe, the, maybe we should start a file on him. Great. All right, number three. Joseph, Jesus' adoptive father, had been married before Mary. Yes or no? Oh, I'm seeing a majority of yes and several maybes, uh, but the vast majority is yes, and I'm seeing about 15% maybes. And of course, Greg has a question mark. <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't know. You will by the end of the class. Number four, Joseph was much older than Mary. Oh, wow, this is like 99% yes. You think Joseph was much older than Mary. Okay, good. Uh, Number five, Joseph and Mary never had kids of their own. Yes or no? Ah, someone said trick question. You must be new. These are all trick questions. Okay, predominantly, it looks like about 80% no, and the rest are either maybe, yeah, I didn't see a yes. I just saw the rest were maybes. And Pastor Dan has a question mark. Because he doesn't know. All right. 
It is going to be such an incredible class today. I can already tell. I'm so glad I asked these questions because it shows me what we need to spend some time on today. Of course, we're going to talk about Joseph. We're starting a four-week series called Merry Cryptics, which is talking about the baffling decisions that God made at Christmas. God got to decide all of the original traditions for Christmas because he decided, well, what, is it, what, what are we going to do? Is my son going to come down as a fully grown being? Because he could have, right? Is my son going to come down as a king? Is my son going to come down as an unknown poor person born to poor people? Is he going to be born to the high priest? Be born out of the church? Be an incredible preacher, be an incredible evangelist, telling people about who he is. Is he going to be like many of the people had already decided in their mind before Jesus was born? Is he going to be an adult that floats down from heaven and land lightly in the middle of the temple square? And that's how people will recognize him. By the way, that's why the devil told Jesus to jump off the temple wall was because that's what the people expected. He says, didn't the Bible say in Psalms that your angels won't even let you dash your foot against a stone? They will see you floating down and you won't even stub your toe. This is what people are expecting. But why did God make baffling decisions? And some of the decisions are so baffling that you're saying, but God, don't you understand your people won't recognize this as Christmas? They're expecting Christmas to be something altogether different. And so in these four weeks, we're going to take a look at several aspects of God's decisions for Christmas. Today, we're looking at Joseph. Why did he choose Joseph? And what can we learn about the character of God by learning about God's choice of Joseph being the adoptive father of his son? We're also going to look at who did he choose to invite to the baby shower? Baffling who he chose to invite to the baby shower. Why did he choose Mary? Why did he choose all of these decisions that seem to be counterintuitive, baffling decisions? And that's what we're going to do during the Christmas season. But today we're stepping into God's baffling decision to choose Joseph. Now, many of us have grown up saying, well, Technically, Joseph is there, but he's not really an important individual. Mary's the important individual. God chose Mary, and well, I guess Joseph comes along too because he's part of a package deal. They're already engaged. But God could have selected any couple. Any couple. And he specifically chose Mary and Joseph. And today we're going to discover why. On your study guide, you'll see we're going to start out with Matthew's telling of the birth story. And in Matthew chapter 1, we're introduced to Joseph for the first time. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Would someone be willing to, uh, to read that for us? Verses 18 and 19. Thank you. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to, jo to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, 
was not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So we see here the very first vignette of Joseph. A horrible introduction. Joseph has plans. He's engaged to be married. And he learns that Mary is with child. And he knows one thing absolutely without a doubt. That baby's not his. This is before the angel comes and says anything to him. Even before the angel comes and says, don't worry, Mary has not been unfaithful. She's been so faithful that God has selected her to bear the Messiah. Before the angel comes, we see a little window into Joseph and why God would choose Joseph. Because when given the opportunity, just like in the yes and no section, given the opportunity to exact punishment onto someone who has hurt you on the deepest level, what does Joseph choose? He chooses mercy. Now, many of you have thought, well, it's because he's been married before, he's, he's older, he's more mature, he can handle it. There's more fish in the sea. But what do we really know about Joseph? Because the more we learn the true Joseph, the more this is going, this is going to blow you away. How can Joseph have that level of maturity that at a, at a time to save not only his own face, but to save his reputation within the community, to save his business. You would never take that woman into your house. You would have her stoned to death. That's the only way that you can continue on with a good reputation and a good name, is to have that woman stoned right now. He chooses a different option, to divorce her quietly. That shows us right away, Joseph is a cut above. No matter what his age is, he exacts mercy rather than punishment. He doesn't go for capital punishment. He goes for, can we make this a misdemeanor? So our question must continue. What do we know about Joseph? I've got several questions. How old was he when he proposed to Mary? Had Joseph been married before? And did he have kids already? And what was his occupation? Those three things. In no, in no necessary order, what do you know? Answering those questions, just raise a comment card. I, I want to hear, what have you been told growing up about Joseph in, the, in these areas? What have you been told? Raise a comment card, we'll get you a mic right away. He was a carpenter. Okay, you've heard he's a carpenter. Okay, how many of you heard Joseph was a carpenter? Yeah, all of us have. The exact terminology that's used is tecton, which means craftsman. Nagar is carpenter, which came in a little bit later. So chances are he could have been a carpenter, but chances are he was more of a craftsman, like a fine craftsman, whether that be a woodworker or a metal worker. In fact, uh, many people think that one of the, the new stadiums that was being built nearby was actually built by uh, Joseph and his son Jesus and his other sons were part of the major crew in building the stadium. And so not simply just building cabinets and, and, uh, and chairs and tables, 
but perhaps he was quite a craftsman. In fact, some people speculate maybe he specialized in making plows and, and yoke for oxen. So he was a craftsman, a tecton. Okay, good. Over here, Greg. Sounds to me like he wasn't exactly poor. It doesn't say. We know he wasn't wealthy because when you look at some of the decisions they made in where to live, uh, Nazareth was not necessarily the good side of town. Okay, I can name some cities around here that if I were to say, I live in this city, you'd be like, oh, this poor guy, he doesn't make much money. Nazareth was very similar in that way. So most people assume because of the suburb that he lived in that he probably was not wealthy um, because of his address, his zip code. It wasn't 90210, I'll tell you that much. Okay. Yes, back here. Matthew says he was a righteous man. Yes. He was a righteous man, which meant not only did he go to the Bible lab, not only did he listen to the Wednesday warm-up on Wednesday, but he had a personal relationship with God. Exactly. Back here. I wonder if Joseph, if in looking at Joseph, it's the potential that God sees in him because the Bible talks about the refiner's fire. And when I look at what he did, it's like someone came up and said, Joseph, you know, you're a really good guy, and I know Mary's a great woman, but she's pregnant. You still going to build that house? Because I think that often it, it says that we would faint if we knew our future. And if I think the question is, if God had told Joseph ahead of time, would he have continued along that path? And I think that's the question we have to ask ourselves, too. Absolutely. Uh, that was deep. Very good. Over here. Back to the uh, occupation, some historians and archaeologists have suggested that there was very little wood available. Mm -hmm. So perhaps he was a stonemason. Yes. A lot of the homes were built of stone. Yeah, and, and that's definitely a possibility as well. Yeah, so stone, metal, wood. You're absolutely correct. There, there was not a lot of wood. Uh, like we use wood in our construction here. They just, they didn't use it. And thankfully, we still have some excavation sites that we can see what was there because they used stone instead of, instead of wood. Exactly. I have a question for you. Why do you think Joseph was older than Mary? Considerably older than Mary. Where'd you hear that? It, it was... Many, many marriages were like that in that okay. time. We have uh, multiple historical evidence for that. Mm -hmm. And Paul actually speaks of that in several of his letters, mm -hmm. admonishing the churches to take care of widows. There mm -hmm. was an estimate of 1,500 widows in Acts uh, chapter 2, yeah. uh, based on historical evidence. So that means yeah. a lot of widows in the Christian church, and that explains some okay. things. Yeah, I've heard that too. People say, well, you know, you, you look at, at the times. But do we have direct evidence that Joseph was on his second marriage and was considerably older 
than this young Mary that might have been as young as 12 and a half to 13 years old. Oh, my assumption from the Bible said because there are some, Mary one time come with the brothers and we assume that Mary doesn't have any other, didn't have any other children. So the, the brothers supposed to be the sons of Joseph. Mm -hmm. So we thought because of that, that Joseph is much older. Yes, yes. That's what many people have, have thought. Anybody else? Can I blow your mind today? Do I have your permission? I'm going to get myself in trouble with some people here today because some of our historical writings have written in support of Joseph being much older, having been married before, and the children that you hear mentioned in places like Mark chapter 6, Jesus comes home and the people say, we see your brothers and your sisters here. Who do you think you are? And Jesus could not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. So we see stories where there's brothers and sisters of Jesus. And many writers, even within our faith movement, have mentioned, well, these are half-brothers or half-sisters. These were from a previous marriage. Unfortunately, I know exactly where this teaching came from, and I'll tell you exactly why it was presented, but then we're going to go back to what we actually read in Scripture, and you are going to get a picture of God's character and why he chose Joseph, for most of you, in a whole new way. There was a challenge that arose within the church even within the second century. The challenge is that people said, now you're saying that Jesus was born of a virgin, but you're also listing a genealogy here trying to link him with the lineage of David through Joseph. So you're expecting me to believe that Jesus was magically born of God to a virgin and yet we have this Joseph character around. What do we do with this Joseph character with all of the new people that we want to convert, but that's their number one question. You're saying it was a virgin birth, but he has a father named Joseph. And so in the second century, they started working on, uh, on trying to fix this. I wrote this ahead of time since there's a lot of it, and I didn't want to take the whole class writing. There's a Joseph problem. And so in the very beginning, in 150 AD, an apocryphal writing was written to try to answer this Joseph problem. It's called the Proto-Evangelism of James. And in this writing, they said, well, obviously, Joseph was an older man on his second marriage, and all of the children listed are from his first marriage. That way... There's no question that, yes, Joseph and Mary were together in a legal marriage, but they were not together in any way a physical marriage. And this allowed them to be able to say, oh, no, we can have, we can have the same, because this was not Joseph's first marriage. So where did the belief that Joseph had been married before come from? An apocryphal writing to try to answer the objections of people they were trying to evangelize. You see how your best intentions can cause the worst heresies? And so they wrote this and they said, yes, uh, he, he was obviously much older. And that's why in scripture he says, 
I am married to her, but I do not yet know her. I have not consummated the marriage yet. They had to make that a big deal because you can't have virgin birth and have a couple saying, well, we're engaged. You know, we're going to get married. So in the backseat of the chariot, let's have some fun. So they tried dealing with it that way. Two other areas, uh, and there are more than, than these, but in the fifth century, there was a writing called The History of Joseph the Carpenter. And in this writing, they, they tried to take it a bit farther. They, they took some of the ideas from uh, the, the proto-evangelism of James, but they added to it, they said, no, he was probably 90 years old. <laughs> and by lot, God chose him. Casting of lots, God chose him because he was a righteous man, 90 years old. His kids were well-grown. And uh, he, out of duty, because he was chosen by lot, by God, he decides, I will be a guardian, a caretaker of Mary, who is 12 and a half, and I will marry her at 14 years old. And then she will be the father of the Christ, and I will oversee her and According to this story, at age 111, Joseph perished, never, ever having physical, intimate contact with Mary. Why is this important? Because at this time in the church, the big push is the perpetual virginity of Mary. Not only was she a virgin before she had Christ, we can't have a bunch of little Josephs and Marys running around we have to make sure she is a perpetual virgin, never, ever having intercourse. And so they come up with this teaching that he's so old, he, he can't even have children. It would be inconceivable of this man to be able to have intercourse with Mary. She is perpetually a virgin. She had Jesus and that was it. Joseph and Mary never had kids together, according to this apocryphal writing. And then the bishop, uh, the bishop of Salamis, uh, his name was Epiphanes, he wrote the Panarian around 374 to 375 AD. And in that, he also continued to perpetuate this idea that you can't have Mary having any children with Joseph. Otherwise, it's much too hard to defend that Christ, the first child of Joseph and Mary, was, in fact, a magical birth. And what's happened is over the age, people have repeated this and repeated this and repeated this so much that even though it's extra biblical and we can actually plot who wrote it and why they wrote it, and the, you know, what's the reason for them needing to have this perpetual virgin Mary? And even though it's not written anywhere in Scripture, we've bought into it and we said, oh yeah, this is how it is. And it's changed the story of Joseph in our minds and our hearts because we envision this old guy that's mature enough, he's had enough heartache, he can handle another heartache. That's why he's merciful to Mary. He's been through it all before. He's an old guy. But that's not the case. What we have from biblical record is that Joseph had not been married before, which places his age closer to 14 or 15 years old. This is a 14 or 15-year-old young man who is told that his bride-to-be is pregnant and he knows it's not his kid. What level of maturity 
does a 15-year-old have to have to say, I will take the shame of what's happening so that she will have a lower level of punishment. I will divorce her quietly. Now, I, I know a lot of teenagers. I worked in youth ministry for a number of years. I have never seen this level of maturity. Just like what you said, Daryl, he was a righteous young man. At the time of hearing that Mary was with child, Joseph was in the process of a six to nine month construction process where at his father's house, he was building an extension onto his father's house. Looking in the house saying, am I building it right? Did I do the framing exactly right? Where did I, did I put the windows on the right wall? Which is the warmest wall in the afternoon? Is that shelf straight? It doesn't look level. What's Mary going to think of this floor plan? Does it flow? Can we entertain? Is this right? During the six to nine month engagement period, that's what every young man did. And it's in the process of him building an extension onto his parents' house that he gets word that his fiance is with child. Question back here. Yes, I'm, I'm confused by your saying he's 14, 15. I would have assumed back in that culture someone would have had to have some established career before he could get married or something. Yeah, because in Loma Linda, we have to have three doctorates before we get engaged. I'm surprised I'm married. Culture is different today. Culture is much different. He already had a career. He's taking over Joseph and Sons, you know, his, his father's business. And so as you look at, at the culture and the um, occupational society of the day, you apprenticed under your father or someone else who was a master of some craft, a tecton of some sort. And by the time you were 14 or 15, you were expected to be able to earn a full income in order to support a family. Remember, the age expectancy of a male during the time of Christ was 45 years old. Okay? By the time we start getting serious about retirement, you are retired in the Middle East. And so, you know, he's already into the first third of his life. He only has two-thirds more of his life to, to go. And so that's why they got married much younger in, in those days. Yes? You might have answered this a little bit, but I was wondering, was the age 14 just taken out of a hat? Or would it be likely that he might have been uh, 20 or 25 or even 30 years old? It's anything is possible. But one thing you, you in looking at Scripture, what they tr traditionally do is they only list things that are out of the norm. The norm was 14 to 15 years old. Had he been outside of the norm, Scripture most likely would have listed it in one of the four Gospels. If he was older, had he been married before, that's out of the norm. Yes. Who said was it? Good. Yes. So whenever Scripture lists a person's age, a person's occupation, uh, if, if it lists their name, you know there's some significance there that to the initial readers, they would have needed to know to understand the full story. And so what many commentators say is because it is not mentioned, it is higher 
a probability that he was the average age because had he been outside the average, there is a very high probability that the writer would, at least one of the four gospel writers would have written that down. And secondly, we see where the development of this heretical theology came from, 150 AD and beyond, was to answer a problem. And so they're rewriting history to answer a problem. They're not filling in history because, well, you need to understand this is why Mary is a virgin. Yes, right here. This is the Bible lab. Yes. <laughs> and much of what you are expounding is extra biblical. Not that. This is, this is proof that, that the teaching that Joseph was older was fabricated. It was fabricated, and I've got three places to prove it. What Scripture says is Joseph was pledged to be married to Mary. It doesn't say he was older. The reason why people say he was older is extra biblical. So to be true to Scripture... You have to look at this and say, well, we can obviously see this heresy that came in later is extra biblical. Had we not had this, we never would have read the scripture as Joseph being married before and being older. We never would have done it. Okay. Um, I, I easily see how the scripture says Mary had other children. Mm -hmm. After Jesus, I can find that in Scripture. Yeah, but uh, this is throwing me a curve. Yes, because you grew up hearing that, and this is a new trick. <laughs> this is what we grew up with, and tradition has trumped theology. Uh -huh. This tradition has led us to believe Joseph was something different than what the plain reading of Scripture shows us. Right there. Over here. I actually feel a sense of relief with you clarifying that because when I heard last week that Mary could have been 12 years old, having a 12-year-old myself, you know, I had a problem with him being older. Yeah. So. It's like, a, like some pedophile. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, wait, that doesn't fit God's character, mm -mm. you know, to have a man that's much, much older yeah. with a 12-year-old. Yeah. So this is actually eye-opening, and I was going to ask you if I could take a picture of that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yes? Um, if it was the norm to not be married before, but people assume that he has half-siblings, how does that work? The reason why they taught half-siblings was because they had to have Mary be a virgin before Jesus' birth and a virgin after his birth. And it was the whole perpetuation of this myth, the, the Virgin Mary, that she perpetually was a virgin. Um, and that was to set her, herself up in the theology of, of, the, of the day between the second and the sixth centuries to basically canonize Mary as someone that ultimately was worshipped and is worshipped today. Uh, you can't have a saint that's just like you and me in those days. And so um, 
ultimately they tried to write a new history so that they basically wrote Joseph out of his importance. Okay, he's just an old guy. She basically needed a sugar daddy is what they wrote in. A sugar daddy that would take care of her finances. Other than that, God didn't need him. And so that's why they minimize um, his role in the Christmas story. Back, uh, is it up here first? Uh, Joseph was a direct descendant of David. Was Mary, how do we get that? Was Jesus a descendant of David because legally Joseph was his father? Is that how that works? Yeah, and uh, what you have to look at, there's two different genealogies, and one that, one, uh, that shows the lineage uh, to David and, and, and one that shows uh, the connection to the priesthood. Um, and so when you look at the two different genealogies, that's why they're different, um, is, is to show the difference. And one uh, really follows, follows, one really follows um, Joseph and the other follows Mary. One, one reason... God chose Mary was because of Joseph? I mean, he That's, must have been a, 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 in favor, God's favor too. Absolutely. And we see that scripturally, that he was a righteous man. So ask the question, what does every decision of God say about God? God is not an idiot. God is not someone who takes chances Although it appears, because he gives us choice, that he's taking all kinds of chances, he does not take a chance with these kinds of decisions. He chooses whom he will. He chose a couple. He chose a couple. He could have chosen. Because I'm as, as impressed as I am by Mary's righteousness, she was not the sole righteous person on earth. She was not the sole righteous person of her generation. So God could have chosen many other couples. But specifically, when he looked at this couple and said, who will raise my boy to understand me before he fully knows me? And Joseph was part of the package. Who's next? So according to the story, it seems that God rewards righteous men with um, pregnant wives. <laughs> and uh, sorry, I don't want to offend anybody, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, Joel's coming to get the mic back. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that ha is related to what you just said, you know. Uh, there is a huge difference between what we think we deserve and, and what we are and what, think one, what God thinks of us and what we deserve. Yes. Kind of. And what do we think we deserve? Oh, we, according to our, the, the, the way we measure things. Yeah, but I'm getting to the root of it. The thing that we're all thinking but we're not saying. What do we think? If we are righteous people, what do you think you deserve? Everything, and by everything I mean happiness, right? We think that if we're doing the right thing, stepping in the right steps, not doing the things we're not supposed to do, that the blessing of God is happiness. And God in this moment takes the most faithful couple he can find and he interrupts their happiness. God does not want you happy. God's goal is not for your happiness. 
His goal is for your purposefulness. He doesn't want you to find your source of happiness. He wants you to find your source of purpose. In this case, he interrupts a beautiful engagement. And I am certain that Joseph looked at this initially as an interruption, as an obstacle to his happiness. Fortunately, we have the next verse that I'm going to get to right after Carol Ann here. The next verse that doesn't leave Joseph hanging with a faith decision, without a word from God. God comes and says, look, I saw how you responded. That's why I picked you anyways. Wow, during this Christmas season, I'm sure you're feeling like there are a lot of interruptions to your plans, to the things that you want to accomplish, to the things that you think God wants you to accomplish during this season. But I want to encourage you today to know that God is right here with you. He's chosen you to do exactly what he needs you to do in your community. And so stay strong and know that God loves you so much next episode you do not want to miss because it's going to be that next chapter and really connecting with the Christmas story in a very new way. As we look at the Mary cryptics, the baffling decisions that God made when he chose to design Christmas, why in the world did he send an invitation to the shepherds? Now, in our story today, in our nativity scenes on the hearth over the fireplace, The shepherds have a very well-deserved spot, and they look like they fit. They're beautiful, and we couldn't imagine the Christmas story without them. But when you hear in episode 35 about the shepherds, I guarantee you will be just as baffled as I am that God chose them to be some of the first people to receive an invitation to Jesus' baby shower. And I can't wait for you to hear it. So come on back. Next episode, 35. We can't wait for you to hear it. Thank you for listening to the Bible Lab podcast. If you're planning a trip to Southern California, make sure to reserve your VIP seats in the Bible Lab by emailing us at info at Programs are recorded each Saturday at 1030 a.m. We hope to see you soon. Until then, we wish you God's richest blessings as you continue to research and develop the character of God.